You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Two Stories Number Two. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. In a previous program, I told you about how impressed I was with a line from Paul Hogan in the film Crocodile Dundee 1, where he said, Me and God, we be mates. That prompted me to write some short gospel-based stories using the Australian vernacular. Today, I want to share with you two more of these stories, but I want you to realise that I have included some poetic licence and have embellished certain aspects of the stories. The first story is about me mate Jesus and Lazarus. Well, you see, me mate Jesus at one stage goes to this one-horse town called Bethany And while he's there, he meets up with a family of two sisters and a brother. Real nice people they were, respectable and all that. They ask him to stay for a while and he accepts, and they get on real well. Anyhow, there's Martha. She's a bit dumpy and plain looking, but she's nice. But boy, can she cook! She can knock up a four-course meal out of a handful of beans and half a hatful of flour as quick as looking at you. The second sheila is Mary. She's a real slasher to look at, but is kind of dreamy, as if she has something important to say to you, but she doesn't know how to say it. Then there's Lazarus. He's the breadwinner. Most folks call him Lazar and he's got a job as a farmhand with old Cohen about half a mile out of town. Old Cohen ain't a bad sort of bloke and every now and then gives them a side of lamb or a bag of spuds or something. Well, me mate Jesus spends a couple of days with them and then he goes to some other place and he's healing people and setting things right in their lives when he gets a message that Lazarus is really crook. But he just goes on healing and fixing people up and doesn't seem to take much notice of the message. One of them blokes who's always with me, mate, Jesus gets a bit exasperated and asks me, mate, why he doesn't do something about Lazarus and says, if he's so sick, hadn't you better go and fix him up? Then me mate Jesus turns around and says, Lazar is asleep. Ah, says that other bloke. If he's asleep, that should be all right then. He added that with them two sisters always nagging him, he probably needed a bit of extra sleep. Me mate Jesus is quiet for a bit and turns around and rubs his sleeve across his eye and sobs out, Lazarus is dead. He's real upset, and them other blokes don't know where to look or what to say. 
They just shuffle around looking at their feet and draw stupid pictures in the dirt with their toes. Eventually, me mate says, let's go. And they all head off back to Bethany. They're getting pretty close to Bethany when Martha comes up to them and tells me mate that if he had come a bit earlier he could have done something for Lazar. But it was too late now because Lazar had passed away and was buried. He'd been dead already for four days and was already well and truly on the nose. Me mate Jesus gives Martha a great big hug but keeps going to the tomb anyhow. In them places it's pretty hard digging, so instead of using the six-foot undergraves, they find a soft layer of dirt or rock in the side of a hill. Then they holler out that sort of like a cave and then roll a big stone in front of the entrance to stop the foxes getting in and eating you next to kin or whoever it is. Hanging around Lazarus' grave, there's all these people sounding like a bunch of loonies at full moon. They yelling and wailing and carrying on. Send shivers up to your spine just to hear them, you know. Anyhow, me mate Jesus says to a couple of the fellas who's always hanging around him to roll away the stone. Well, did that cause an uproar from the crowd? But the stone was rolled away. Then me mate Jesus stands in front of the grave and calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> well, at that stage everyone is getting ready for a good laugh. But then they hear a bit of scratching and grunting coming from inside the grave. And then, to everyone's surprise, out hobbles Lazar, tangled up in these white burial bandages wrapped around him. And he's wearing the biggest, dirtiest smile across his gob you ever seen. And he walks outside to be mate Jesus, and they stand there hugging each other. Mary and Martha are trying to get in on the act as well, and all these other people are standing up to get a look, with their eyes about the size of saucers, trying to take it all in, you know. In the crowd, there were some bearded Pharisee blokes in dresses, and they don't look happy one bit, now, I want to tell you something funny here. Lazar is talking to me mate Jesus and his sisters, saying how good it was to see them again, but he ain't got nothing to say about what it's like to be dead. Absolutely nothing. I've heard some of them preachers at funerals say things like, our dearly departed brother is now gone to paradise and is enjoying wonderful things all the time. Lazar said nothing. And I reckon he said nothing because there was nothing to say. 
and that them their preachers were just making that straight into paradise stuff up. Dunno if Lazar went back to working for old Cohen, but Bethany became pretty busy afterwards with blooming tourists. They'd come and stand in front of Mary and Martha's house, waiting for Lazar to show up, and then they'd point and get real excited. Martha got an idea one day and put some tables under a tree in front of their joint and started serving scones and jam with hot drinks to these tourists. Mary was the waitress, but it all fizzled out after a while and life went back to normal. But ain't that really something? Me mate Jesus turns a dead bloke black to back to life again. Just imagine you doing that. Say there's this dead chook lying on your plate in front of you and you're about to hoe into it, but instead you say, Chook, stand up and lay an egg. If you could do that you wouldn't have to work for a living any more. People had come flocking to your door wanting to wanting you to raise their dead folks to life again. But me mate Jesus turned Lazar back to life, and there were lots of witnesses who saw it. Besides that, lots of others rubbed shoulders with Lazar later on. They knew he'd come back to life. Now if me mate Jesus can do things like that for someone else, don't you think he couldn't do something special for you, if you let him? I reckon though that he doesn't want to treat people him, he doesn't want people to treat him like some magic genie, or anything like that. But instead, he wants people to get to know him and let him change their lives. He's pretty good at fixing up people's lives, you know. He fixed me up, and he made a pretty good job of it. And that's why he's me mate. Why don't you let him into your life so that he can fix you up too? If he can, he can fix you up all right, and you know... He really wants to be your mate as well. Well, that's the end of the first story today. We're going to have a little break and then go on with the second story, which I'll announce later on. I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despair and cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me 
When nothing else could help Love lifted me All my heart to Him I give Ever to Him I'll cling In His blessed presence live Ever His praises sing Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best songs Faithful, loving service to To Him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me The second story I want to share with you today is entitled Me Make Jesus and the Desperate Woman What a bloomin' pain This woman had a problem that just about made her crazy Instead of getting the bleeds once a month she was hemorrhaging all the blinking time and that was pretty hard to handle First she went to the local doc and he prescribed some pills to be taken with meals. The trouble will clear up in a couple of weeks, he reckoned. That was no good. So two months later she's off to the specialist. He pokes and prods her and then gives her some white powder to mix with the drinks and tells her to do all these exercises. Then she goes home, hopeful after parting with a considerable sum of moolah. She drinks the powder and does the exercises as regular as a clock ticking. That treatment was about as useless as an ejector seat in a helicopter. Her husband, though, he's not too pleased. Besides all the money used up on medical fees, he's starting to look around for someone else to sleep with and eventually shacks up with some tart from one of the back streets of town. So this poor woman is really in the soup. Her medical problem continues. She's lost her husband and her means of support. So she's forced to get a job as a washerwoman for the local carpet seller, Benjamin Bergman, a widower with eight kids to look after. This keeps her in tucker, but she can't save much cash. A couple of years pass by and she finally picks up courage to see a naturopath. 
and he checks out her eyes and fingernails and tells her she needs more iron. Now, if it was me, I'd given her nails or screws to chew. But he mixes up a herbal brew of spinach, feverfew and rosemary leaves and tells her to make a drink of this like tea and have it first thing each morning and in the evening before going to bed. So she does this, but nothing changes. What's more, by this time she's almost flat broke. The years roll on, and she becomes more depressed and withdrawn. Nobody wants to know her. It's because she's done something really bad, they say, and God is punishing it. He's punishing her for what she's done. Twelve blooming years pass by and she's depressed as ever. Life for her is a real drag. She's no one to talk to and she's always having to deal with her medical problem. All the neighbours know there's something wrong but they won't go near her for fear that they might catch something. Then she hears stories about this bloke who's healed people of diseases and made the lame to walk, the blind to see and stuff like that. That bloke was me mate Jesus. The woman wished from the depths of her heart that he might come to her town one day. Well, one day it really happened. He did come. News spread and she saw a whole lot of people hurrying past her joint, all excited like and saying that the teacher had come to town. She drops what she's doing and follows along after them, at a respectable distance, of course, and they all end up in the market square in the middle of town. There... Standing in the centre, there's this bloke, me mate Jesus, and heaps of people are there crowding around him and trying to hear what he's saying. She stands listening too, and what he says makes her feel good, and a spark of hope comes into her mind. Maybe he'll heal me, she says to herself. But he doesn't know who I am, nor what my problem is. Besides that, how will he ever know that I'm here? She's about to turn and go home when she gets this crazy idea that if she were to get close enough to him to touch him, she might just get healed. It wasn't easy to get through the crowd, With lots of excuse me's and I beg your pardon, she gets nearly up to him only to find he's surrounded by a dozen coves who look to be his bodyguards. Me mate Jesus is standing there with his back to her and she's not sure what to do. But then she reaches between a couple of them bodyguard blokes and her extended fingers just touch the bottom of his coat. 
She quickly pulls her arm back and tries to look inconspicuous. In the meantime, two things happen. The instant she touched him, she got better. She could feel it straight away. She felt like yelling out, I'm okay now, I'm healed. But people didn't talk about her sorts of problems back in those days, so she kept her mouth shut. The other thing that happened was that straight after she touched him, me mate Jesus looks around and asks, Who touched me? That poor woman thought she'd be in for it when she heard him say that. But one of them bodyguard fellas says, Don't be daft. With everyone crowding around you and pushing and shoving, you must have been touched hundreds of times. But me mate Jesus insisted, Someone just touched me. So tell everyone to stay where they are. So they asked everyone nearby if they touched him and soon noticed there's this woman standing there trying to look inconspicuous. But she's not. All the nearby people is blokes and she's not a bloke. She fesses up. It was me, sir. I touched you. Her eyes are filling up with tears. Then she bursts out with her sad story and she's crying, sad yet happy, all at the same time. Me mate Jesus looks at her and kindly says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. And he smiles at her. She feels like jumping for joy and filled with gratitude and happiness she moves nearer to the edge of the crowd to go home. This time, though, they make way for her and they can see how happy she's looking. Later on, when the show's over and she's walking home, she's thinking to herself, he called me daughter. That means I belong, that I'm special. He treated me like a father who loves me. And the more she thought about it, the more convinced she became that any person, bloke or Sheila, could have a relationship with me mate Jesus. And that's true. He's my mate. And I bet you a fiver that he was her best friend forever after that because he had enough room in his heart to accept her and give her a new start in life. And you'd better believe it. Now, I know some of you blokes and Sheila's are having to do with some horrible things in your lives, like the loss of a spouse or a child, loss of a job, or maybe not able to get a job. Perhaps you have some rotten disease or have mental illness or depression. I can't guarantee that everything is going to work out for you straight away. But I do know me mate Jesus cares about you and is interested in you. Sometimes 
He has to let things work out for a while, but there's no question that he cares for you and he wants the best for you. The desperate woman had her medical problem for 12 years and me mate healed her. And he can give you a new start as well. But you've got to be willing and not be afraid to give him a go, eh? You need to approach him and let him know you're there. You might feel a bit awkward asking for his help, but don't be scared to ask him, just like I did when I came off my motorbike out in the bush with my leg broke and feeling like my back was broke too. I called out something like this, Lord, help me. I know I wasn't very religious or anything like that, but me mate sent along some oil exploration blokes who found me half dead and took me to where I went to hospital where they patched me up. So get down on your knees or something like that and speak to him. Tell him what's troubling you and ask for help and wait for him to work out stuff for you. He will. That's why he's my mate. Yes, he's Jesus, the best mate anyone can have. So that's all I have for you today. But later on I might share some more about what me mate Jesus did for some other people. Yeah, me mate Jesus, he's the best mate you can ever have.